This is MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick, and this is the Torch Audio News Brief for Friday, June 4th, 2010. Uh, there was no Bellator event last night, so no Bellator review today, but we do have some follow-up from uh, the event from a couple of weeks ago, um, or from last week, actually, uh, the Bellator 20 middleweight semifinals, where Jared Hess suffered a nasty uh, knee injury that actually ended up not being as bad as it uh, as it really appeared because it was one of the more gruesome visuals with uh, his shin basically popping off his kneecap and him falling forward on it. Uh, he only suffered a, a third degree tear of his lateral collateral ligament, his LCL. Um, you know, I say only <laughs> because it looked like he tore just about everything there is to tear in the knee with that. Uh, with how he fell on that, but uh, he suffered no other ligament damage, and uh, he's going undergoing arthroscopic surgery uh, next week on the knee, and is expected to return in actually uh, four to six weeks. So, you know, congrats to Jared, and, and that's great news. He's going to make a full recovery after that, but uh, that was a, a very scary and nasty injury to see. So um, it's good news for, for Jared, and he's looking to return Likely in Bellator's third season, then he'll uh, um, be able to rest up during the month of July and hopefully get back into action in August then, uh, which is very good news for him after um, a very unfortunate finish to his Bellator middleweight tournament uh, aspirations in Season 2. You know, he was the runner-up in Season 1 and was the favorite coming in for Season 2 and uh, was was on his way towards making it to the finals before the doctor... Uh, or the ref had to stop the fight because of the knee injury. So good for Jared Hess on that front. Um, some other big news from uh, this morning that, that came out and actually came out uh, over the weekend on some uh, Russian sites, but uh, picked up over here um, today. Fedor Emelianenko will be running for political office for Congress in Russia for the uh, United Russia Party. Um, and, well, there were some rumors swirling that uh, Fedor would be retiring at the end of his strike force contract. Uh, those have been patently denied by M1 Global, um, who says the, those rumors are just untrue. So, well, there was a bit of a scare that Fedor could be uh, uh, on his way out of mixed martial arts at the end, by the end of the year. Um, that does not appear to be the case, and uh, the dreams can still be alive that he'll one day fight uh, the top guys in the UFC, uh, in the UFC's heavyweight division. Because uh, as of right now, basically there's just the Overeem fight outside of the UFC that people are interested in, uh, and the rest of the fights that people would want to see all are against UFC competition. Um, and if he still does not make it to the UFC after that, you know, uh, he's he's going to go down as uh, one of the best fighters in the history of the sport. But if he doesn't come to the UFC and he's still fighting um, outside of the organization against what by that point will definitely be uh, less than UFC caliber competition. I, I mean, you know, I'm not going to knock his victories over Tim Sylvia and Andre Arlovsky, even though both fighters had um, been out of the UFC at that point. Arlovsky, for sure was a well-regarded heavyweight fighter, still up uh, uh, in the rankings and still uh, deserved to be there. 
So that was a very good win for Fedor. Um, the win against Sylvia, you know, Sylvia was coming off of two plus rounds of beating on Antonio Noguera before uh, getting submitted in that third round of their bout at UFC 81. So, um, you know, he was a half a round away from being the interim heavyweight champion once again. Uh, and instead, he wound up on his way out of the organization by the end of the year. So, you know, those are good wins for Fedor, and, and his last three wins are better than a lot of the wins near the end of his pride career. But if he gets past Verdum and if he gets past Overeem and, and still continues to fight, it, it, and he's not in the UFC, anyone else that he fights past Overeem is going to be a disappointment, and it's not going to be, um, you know, anyone on the, the level of the Cain Velasquez, Shane Carwin, Junior Dos Santos, Brock Lesnar. You know, he's not going to be fighting those guys. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens in, in 2011 after he finishes up this strike force contract um, with Verdum and then presumably uh, Overeem. Uh, another fighter that is actually on his way out of the organization. Uh, you know, they're trying to throw out that it's not a done deal and that they're going for, you know, uh, that there are good things from both organi- both strike force and the UFC. It's Jake Shields. Uh, the exclusive negotiations with Strikeforce that time period has uh, finished up, and Shields is now free to negotiate with the UFC. Strikeforce can still match whatever the UFC or any other organization might offer him. But at this point, uh, it's it's almost a foregone conclusion that, that Shields will end up in the UFC. The way that Scott Coker is talking about it, they're not going to... Um, they're not going to get into a bidding war for his services. They have a number in their mind that they think is fair, and they're not going to go above that, uh, at least according to Coker. So uh, at, at this point, you know, Shields isn't going to drive uh, interest in himself up any further from Strikeforce. It sounds like they're conceding that he's leaving, and they're planning for a middleweight tournament to begin um, this August uh, at an event. So... At this point, Shields to the UFC is almost a certainty. Uh, you know, I don't know that I agree with Strikeforce's tactic of not even trying to get uh, Jake Shields, but, you know, it, I think they realize that he's on his way out as it is. It's just going to be, you know, they didn't put in a whole lot of effort in, I don't think, in getting him back. And it, 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 however they want to spin it, it's a black eye on them that they're champion is up and leaving because his contract is done and he's he's heading out. Shields is one of the best fighters in the world. He may not have been getting a lot of that praise uh, up until the last year, but in beating Robbie Lawler, Mayhem Miller, and now Dan Henderson in the middleweight division, a division that's not uh, you know his home base, um, when he had had such such success at the welterweight division outside of the UFC as well. You know, to, to beat the fighters he's beaten in Strikeforce, and the only challenges that they really had for him um, showcase him as one of the best. And when he heads over to the UFC and gets a chance to, to prove that, um, you know, he'll be doing it against some really tough competition. But you know, with his performance against against Dan Henderson, I wholly expect him to make a splash in the UFC. And uh, uh, you know, he's going to get more exposure and more money in the UFC than he would have uh, ever in Strikeforce. And, and the thing is, too, is uh, whether or not 
Strikeforce is, uh, you know, driving for his services, he's still going to get a significant chunk of change because the UFC is going to be setting a precedent here for any of the other Strikeforce guys that uh, whose contracts come up. If if the UFC um, gives Shields a contract that Strikeforce wouldn't even think of um, matching, the next time say King Mo's contract comes up, say. Um, Musazi's contract comes up. If Lawler wins a fight, uh, another fight, and his contract comes up, there's a there's a lot of different names under Strike Forces uh, on Strike Forces roster right now that, um, well, they don't have a whole lot of competition in their respective divisions to face off against. Uh, could find greener pastures in the UFC, and if Shields is getting the type of money that he'll probably get from the UFC, and, and that gets relayed to some of these other guys, and they, they realize that Shields, um, even without giving himself a lot of negotiate, negotiating ground by appearing with Dana White at the WEC show and basically telling Strikeforce, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way out, um, he's still going to get that contract, and it's still going to show these guys that uh, you know the UFC is willing to pay the money to get them, if only to, to screw with Strikeforce, plain and simple. So... We'll see what uh, takes place in the next couple of months, but I would wholly um, assume that Jake Shields will be in the UFC a lot sooner than later. Um, some other news, Seth Petrozelli will be making his return to the UFC at UFC 116 on July 3rd, and he's taking on newcomer Ricardo Romero. Um, Petrozelli was um, a member of the Ultimate Fighter's second season, a semifinalist on that, that show, eventually won by uh, Rashad Evans, and he's best known, of course, as being the Kimbo Slayer. Uh, took over for Ken Shamrock the night of the Elite XC Heat event in October of 2008, and knocked out Kimbo Slice in 14 seconds, shocking everyone, and then start, stirred up a lot of controversy with some comments after that um, were perceived as him saying he was paid off to stand up, um, or to keep the fight on the feet in that one. And, uh, you know, that was one of the many things that ended up taking Elite XC down. But he's posted four straight wins since his last fight in the UFC, which was a uh, loss to Wilson Govea in 2007. Um, and, you know, he's getting another shot at the UFC, so good for him. Uh, the ball with Romero. Romero is um, a 10-1 fighter, and he's got six first-round stoppages and uh, uh, should is, is a definite light heavyweight prospect. Petrozelli is a very good challenge for him. Uh, and Romero's a good challenge for uh, Seth to see if he can uh, make a comeback in the UFC right now. So it's, it's a good uh, preliminary card fight. Um, you know, it, it, it'll be an interesting one for the Vegas fans and the people that come to this really, really big pay-per-view event on July 3rd. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a nice replacement fight for the lightweight bout between Paul Kelly and Jacob Volkman that was lost uh, with Paul Kelly's... Visa issues pushing that one back to August. So uh, this should be a very good fight and uh, an interesting light heavyweight bout. Um, some more Strike Force news. Going back to them, the Challenger Series is coming back in July, on July 23rd. And Strike Force 135 pound women's uh, champion Sarah Kaufman will likely defend her title for the first time uh, since winning it in February against Roxanne Modafferi. Uh, Modafferi appeared once for Strike Force, losing to Marlouz Kunin by submission in the first round of their bout last November at the Federer vs. 
Rogers event. Um, Kunin avenged a prior loss to Mataferi um, from a few years back in that fight. Um, and, and Roxy has picked up two more victories since that um, since that loss. But, you know, it's it's the status of the women's division in strike force right now where they've pretty much just got championship fights that they're booking. Uh, you know, we just had the um, the bout with Misha Tate uh, and Zoila Frosto that, that took place. But, uh, you know, that's that's more the exception because right now it's, it's been almost all um, title fights. And it's hard to say you have a champion of a division when you don't have other contenders in the division fighting on any of your cards uh, because you're bringing in the next title challenger and it's someone that has lost her only appearance in your organization. So it's kind of a sad state of the division, but it is what it is right now. And, you know, that should be a, a very, very good fight between Mataferi and Kaufman. Um, big challenge for Kaufman because Mataferi is a very good fighter and picked up uh, an upset victory over Tara La Rosa at the Moosin uh, pay-per-view last month. So this is a, a good fight. It, it's just uh, kind of interesting to look at the fact that Mataferi is getting a title shot for Strike Force's women's title when she's won one, or when she hasn't even won a fight in the organization. So uh, it's just the state of the division at this point. Um, some other UFC uh, news, quick. Um, Frank Mir talked to MMAFigs.com during the. UFC Fan Expo last week and says he's actually looking at um, possibly going down to the light heavyweight division. Um, he hasn't fought for a couple of months, and so he said he's watching what, he's, what he uh, eats and seeing how his body, without trying to um, you know, put size on or anything, what his natural weight will go down to just with diet and exercise right now and training. So, and it, It's an interesting prospect because you know, he just spent a lot of time trying to put weight on after feeling he was much too small against Brock Lesnar um, at, at UFC 100. So he put on an extra 10 pounds for the Congo fight and had to cut down to the 265 limit against Shane Carwin and found out that he's still, uh, right now, too small for the, the heavyweight division for the big wrestlers like Carwin and Lesnar. So uh, if he can make the cut, there are plenty of highly exciting fights available for him in the light heavyweight division. I just don't know that he can make the cut. I mean, he was over 265 for the bout with Carwin. If he gets down to a walking around weight of, uh, you know, 240-ish, 245, he's still got a long ways to go to get down to uh, 205. So we'll see what happens with it. If he can cut down and he can do it safely and can do it without completely affecting his fighting style, then... I, I think there's plenty of fights that would be very exciting to see, including, uh, you know, Randy Couture, a fight that never took place at heavyweight. Um, also, possibly a rematch with Brandon Vera, someone that beat him when he came back from his motorcycle accident, as well as, um, you know, possibly getting the, sh the shot at Anderson Silva that he has talked about wanting. You know, that's a fight that he's said multiple times is one that he'd be very interested in, just because Anderson's one of the best fighters in the world, so... Uh, a lot of really, really interesting matchups at 205, and you could um, legitimately plug him in against just about anyone uh, in, in the light heavyweight division, and it would be an interesting, fresh fresh matchup for both fighters. So um, 
I kind of want to see if he can do it and see if he'll actually try it for his next fight and uh, see how he handles the weight cut and see how uh, he looks at 205 because if he can do it and have success there, uh, you know, there are not nearly as many guys that are going to be able to uh, put a beating on him the way that Shane Carwin and Brock Lesnar did. Uh, I, I think Anderson Silva might be the the, the one guy right now against Mir's style that uh, could do that to him, but um, with his jiu-jitsu, his ground game, and, uh, you know, his, he's definitely got some good boxing himself. I think he'd be a force in the division and would be a factor against a lot of fighters. So I uh, went a little longer today, but that's all I've got. Um, be sure to tune in on Sunday to our live cast, our Sunday conversation from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. We will have uh, interviews with... Tim Kennedy and uh, James McSweeney ahead of their uh, bouts later this month. Kennedy on the uh, June 16th card and McSweeney on the, uh, I believe, Tough 11 finale event. So um, be sure to tune in for uh, the the show on Sunday and um, get in your uh, questions during the chat uh, in the chat room as well as uh, you know emailing me at mmatorcheditor at gmail.com because um, we'll we'll take chat room questions and email questions while we've got them on. So um, be sure to tune in for that on Sunday. Thanks for listening once again. This is Jamie Pennock signing off.